0: This morning. It's good to see you. You know, this 4th of July. I love that song that we sang a while ago, Standing on the Promises of God. I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather stand than on the promises that I have from an Almighty God. Because He will be faithful, He will keep those promises. And uh, so you're in sure hands when you're standing on those promises. Uh, I would like to this morning uh, for y'all to. Uh, after the service, maybe you already have, but uh, Watkins is—they're here visiting with us this morning. Mike and Glenda, we got her sister Susie, and uh, little Eddie, they're here with us this morning. So y'all be sure and say hi to them, and uh, y'all be sure and say hi to Rhonda. Rhonda is going to be back playing the keyboard for us and everything. So we're looking forward to that, and. Uh, if I could, if if I could just get Glenn to back and get her on that argument, man, we'd be would be uptown. I mean, we'd have every church in town wanting to come here. But uh, you know, but thank y'all so much. I I really enjoyed what we did this morning. Uh, the kids pledging the allegiance to, allegiance to America, to the flag. You know, do y'all remember? Some of you probably do. When you went to school, you did that in your classroom. No more. You had prayer, huh? Do y'all? Well, most schools don't. Most schools don't allow it. And uh, so, but anyway, there's been a lot of changes made in the years, and we keep seeing changes. In my sermon this morning, I took about three different things and put them together. And uh, it's from the start to the middle, and to the finish. It's not that long. It sounds long, but it's not that long. And uh, so I want to get y'all out of here. I'm sure you may probably got plans with the family and all of that. And uh, But I do want to thank y'all for being here this morning. We still have people that's out sick and everything. Roy was supposed to be in here this morning, but he got up this morning. He was real dizzy. And uh, so we don't know if it's some, maybe some of the medicine that the doctor has put them on. You know, some of this medicine you can take, if you read the directions, it says, do not take this medicine and drive. Could cause dizziness. So we don't really know what's going on with Roy, but y'all keep y'all keep him in prayer. I really, sorry he wasn't here this morning. He came by Wednesday, <clears throat> him and Sam and visited, and Roy was feeling so good. He wasn't even dizzy or nothing. He said he was in severe pain, but all of a sudden, prayers, he said the pain completely left him. He said he had no pain whatsoever. He was feeling good. But you know, when the devil tries to get a hold of you, he do not want to let go. So y'all keep Roy in prayer because that devil is going to turn loose. I guarantee you. He's going to turn loose and he's going to run. And uh, so y'all keep Roy in your prayers and uh, I want him back next week because I want him to give that testimony that he was going to give this morning. Because I know that uh, God's got plans, and he's going to fulfill them, and the devil can't stop him. Amen. So, y'all just keep Roy in prayer, uh, keep our church in prayer. Uh, we still got some out on vacation and missing. And this but pray for their safety and when they're out, out driving and returning home and everything uh, those roads are really getting dangerous now the way the people drive on them and especially a lot of these holidays where you got a lot of alcohol mixed in with different situations they said that so if y'all are out be careful they said the state highway patrol is really like today going to be out watching and they're going to be checking people for drinking and driving and they say there is no refusal to be checked so anyway y'all drive careful if you're on those roads watch yourselves watch your kiddos and get back here I don't want to lose anybody uh, I know that uh, been at the hospital a little bit I uh, We got a sister-in-law in in there, and they've been really, really doing some things with her. I went up there and got to visit with her, had prayer, anointed her with oil and everything. And uh, so I know she's going to be all right. I know that she's going to come out of this. And like I told y'all, we buried my son-in-law's father. I had that funeral. So it's just been a number of things going on, but uh, God's in charge. He's gonna take care of everything, and so anyway, with all this, welcome to the church this morning. <clears throat> the sermon I've got—I called it "Our Covenant with God." Do y'all realize that the pilgrims come over here and they uh, were drawing up the, the Mayflower Compact, they call it, and uh, but they were giving God all the credit, and then when they wrote the First Amendment, our Constitution, our forefathers went into an agreement with God that they would follow God's Word. The the Declaration of Independence was wrote on a Christian view. It was wrote on things out of the Bible. And they made a covenant with God that if God would watch over them and protect them. They would fulfill and they would make sure God the glory and, you know, He watched over us. But where I'm going to go here, I'm just going to start out, and this is kind of the beginning. Then I'll get to the middle, then I'll finish up. But uh, our founding fathers believed in Christian truths. And they included their Christian beliefs in the Declaration of Independence. Whether, we were, whether you realize it or not, the Declaration of Independence is wrote on, the, on biblical views. It was wrote by Christian men. And they wanted to give God the honor and the glory. <clears throat> they believed in a creator. They believed in God with all their hearts. And they believed that God created men in His own image. This was one of the basic beliefs that they had. And you know it, as, I, as I went on, Larry said, more than 150 years before our forefathers signed the Declaration of Independence, a group of people came to what is now called America. That was the Pilgrims. Why did they come? for religious freedom? And they came on a ship and it was called the Mayflower, as probably all of you know. And the day before they unloaded off of that ship, they did something. They spent that whole day feast, I mean fasting and praying. They was asking God to guide them, to be with them. They was in a land they knew nothing about. They'd never been there. They didn't know what what it held. But they were trusting God, standing on the promises of God. They were standing on the promises of God. And they were trusting Him. And uh, if, if you want to read that Mayflower Compact, you learn why these people left their homes to come to a land that would be later called United States of America. But it, it, it was uh, <clears throat> It said that these people left a civilized country, Europe, For a country they knew nothing about. I read that. You know what first thing I thought? When God called Abraham. When they called Abraham. they, They told Abraham to leave his family. And to come. And God would show him. Where he wanted him to be. Abraham. Did what God said. He followed him. And God led them people. These people here. They left coming knowing nothing about where they were going. They gave up their homes. They gave up the protection of their government. They sacrificed everything they had for religious freedom. They wanted to worship God without compromise, they wanted to worship God. In their heart, the way they loved God, they wanted to worship him and not be restricted in their worship. See, the people on the Mayflower were motivated motivated to come by their Christian beliefs. They were looking for a place where they could freely, freely worship their God. They did not want a place where the state controlled their church. You know, there's a lot of places right now where the state controls the church. They said that the Church of England did not allow the people to worship God in the freedom that they wanted and in the way they wanted to worship. You worshipped the way they wanted you to worship. It was kind of like, well, let's just call it religion. What is religion? It's like a set way you go in and you do something. That is one thing that these people didn't know. They wanted to worship their God in a freedom of worshiping him the way they felt. The way they wanted to. The way the Spirit guided them. Do you know the Spirit will guide you in your worship? That Spirit will maybe tell you to raise your hand. That Spirit will maybe tell you just to sing, to, to have joy in your heart, just hearing the Word of God and Him speaking back to you. But when you have to do it a certain way, <clears throat> you're quenching the Spirit. You're not letting that Spirit work like God wants that Spirit to work on the inside of you. You need that freedom. You need that liberty to let the Spirit have its power and its control in you so you can worship the way God wants you to worship. You know, the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States is the most important statement of the Constitution. Listen. Because it guarantees the most important thing, the freedom of all. It guarantees your freedom, your freedom of worship, a freedom to worship God the way you want to worship God. Have you ever, have you ever read, I'm sure you have, the First Amendment. Listen to it. It's real short, but it says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment or religion. In other words, Congress cannot prohibit. is excuse me, Congress is from from promoting one certain religion. They can't do it not by the Constitution of the United States. You know, and the Bible tells us one day, coming, and this is not of God. You know who it's of? It's of the Antichrist. There will be a one-world religion, a one-world order. But as long as we are worshiping God the way we want to do, you know, it's going, to be, it's going to be prolonged until God just takes his church out of here. You know, when it comes to that point, the church should be gone. The church should be in heaven. The rapture should take place. You should be in heaven. You should be worshiping, singing, and have joy in the presence of God. You will not be here going through that tribulation that is to come upon this earth. That tribulation is God's wrath. That he's going to pour out on this earth for our disobedience to his word. Our failure to believe in his son Jesus Christ. And our failure to worship him. You know the Bible says he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. You have to have Jesus Christ in your life as your Lord and as your Savior for you to have eternal life. That's why why Jesus said what he said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except by me or except that he believes I am the only begotten Son of God that came and died for your sins. When you believe that and you believe in Jesus Christ, he said, for thou art aren't saved. So we have to believe without a doubt that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we worship Him as the Son of God. He's not just the Son of God. He is God. He was God in the flesh that came to us. Why? To show us what God was like. Nobody really knew what God was like. But what did Jesus say? He said, if you (coughs) have seen me, then you have seen the Father. I only do what I see the Father do, and I only say what I hear the Father say. If you look in Scripture and read Scripture, you'll notice Jesus was constantly in prayer to the Father. He was constantly in the presence of God. God was talking to him all the time that he was here on this earth. What does that mean? It means that we should be in prayer all the time too to God and talking to him. He wants to talk back to you. When you're in prayer talking to God, just linger there for a little while. Take that time to let God love on you and you love on God. That's what God wants. God wants an intimate relationship with his people. It says, when you seek my face, you know what seeking your face means? That means getting right next to God, cheek to cheek. You're seeking God's presence. You're seeking for him to be in your life in a way that he's never been. That should be every one of our desires, is for God to have total control of our life and for us to listen to him. You know, God wants to speak to us, but sometimes we get in too big a hurry and we don't give God a chance to speak. We need to slow down. Slow down some and let God have that time with you that he wants. You're going to be surprised, you know. It says that, that, that sometimes that God, when he speaks, it's in a still, small voice. Very lightly, It's not a big clap of thunder, it's not in the lightning, it's not in the wind, but it's a still, small voice. And God says, you've got to listen. You've got to listen for me to speak to you. And when you listen, you will hear. And he said, I'll show you great and mighty things that you did not know. God wants to visit with you. He wants to show you things. He wants to tell you things. One of the things he wants to tell you is how much he loves you. Linger a little while and visit with God when you're praying. But I'm going to go back to this First Amendment. I don't even know how I got off on that. But uh, it said, the First Amendment says, Congress will make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. They can't... They can't prohibit your worship. Or forbidding the freedom of speech. Can't forbid your freedom of speech. You can say what you want to. Of us or the press or the right of the people to peacefully assemble like we're doing right now. We're peacefully assembling in God's presence to worship God to serve God, and to let God speak to us. And to petition the government for an address of our grievances. We have a right to petition the government when we have grievances. Why are you doing this? The Constitution does not allow it. You know, right now, our government's doing a lot of things that the Constitution is forbidden. They're making a mockery of our Constitution. He said the First Amendment provides two very special guarantees to every individual in the United States. Congress cannot establish or promote any religion or state church. They can't promote a certain religion, or well, we just read it a while ago. Or they cannot have a state church. The government cannot open up a church. Congress cannot prohibit any religion or church, or its mode, or its way of worship. They can't prohibit it. Yet you see them trying to close down some churches, finding churches for opening their doors. It says they can't do it in the Constitution. But like I said, Congress is trying to do everything in the world to change up this Constitution. They're trying to do things to change it up. You know, In the recent times, our government, the courts, Congress, have gone beyond what the writers of the First Amendment said. They've they've gone and done things that the First First Amendment prohibited, but yet they're still doing it. They've been trying to take away from America any influence of Christianity. In the Congress, in the government they don't want anything with the name God on it. (coughs) They are trying to make America into a secular and a socialistic nation. There is nothing in the Constitution that justifies government's hostility against the church. Nothing. Christians were the first to settle in America and they came here seeking freedom for their Christian worship. They left a country that was trying to stop them from worshiping the way they wanted to. It was a state church. They controlled the church. They controlled the worship. And they wanted to worship God and a freedom and then a liberty of how their spirit was directing them to worship God. The writers of the Declaration of Independence were influenced by their Christian beliefs and faith and their belief in a Creator. That's how they were influenced. Christian men who believed in God wrote our Constitution. They believed God, they wrote it on godly principles, biblical principles. And they believe that that law came from God. Christianity has been the largest body of people of faith in the United States since the founding of this nation. But you know, that's starting to change. It's starting to change. <coughs> we are rapidly becoming an ungodly nation. You say, what do you mean an ungodly nation? Just like the Bible says, there will be, there will come a falling away people will leave church to go back into the world people will leave church and not worship God people will quit believing in God They are sometimes they try to control what the people believe you know when this nation was founded our forefathers made other covenants with God. Such as the Declaration of Independence. This Declaration of Independence, they made a covenant. The men that wrote the Declaration of Independence made a covenant. They come together and they made a covenant with God. They made a covenant to honor God and in return God would bless them and they're serving Him. This country this country has been highly blessed by God He's watched over us. He's protected us. He's been with us. He's still with us. He's still walking with us. But it seems like the way things are going, that the church is drawing a little further away from God. In a, you know, a covenant requires two people or two nations. Each, each side makes a promise to the other side. The writers of the Constitution made a promise to God, and in turn, God made a promise to them. They believed for all people, they wanted all people to receive their inalienable rights to liberty, life, and to pursuit of happiness from God. They said, you deserve it. It's owed to you. When you worship God, you believe in God, and you serve God. America has relied on this covenant relationship with God for years and years. America has prayed and they fasted in times of war, in times of emergencies. They've been to God. They've, they've sat in God's presence praying, worshiping, fasting. America has claimed to be, what's our slogan? We have claimed to be one nation under God. He says that we are in allegiance with God. Are we really one nation under God? I hope we are. And I hope it grows again. And then the only way it's going to is through us. Through our prayers, through our fasting, through, through trusting God and believing that he will do for us as he did once before. You know, <clears throat> America has even placed in God we trust on our money. When America inaugurates a president, it's with his hand on God's Word, on the Bible. And that elected president pledges these words, so help me God. You know, we've had some people come into Congress from other nations, they put their hand on the Koran and not the Bible. This is America. It is not the eastern states. If they're going to be here, be in our Congress, then they need to serve and believe in a living God. That's one reason we got so many problems in Congress right now. There's too many foreigners in there believing otherwise than believing in God. You know, today, we hate to say it, but America is doing so many things to break its covenant with God. We're getting close to turning our backs on God. I think a lot of people have trouble realizing this because we've been blessed by God for so long and we're still being blessed. But there's going to come a time that if America don't turn around, what is God going to do? What choice does God have? He cannot bless somebody that is not blessing Him. He cannot bless people that do not believe in Him. He cannot bless people that do not serve Him. Many things are taking place today that violates our covenant with God. And you probably know what I'm fixing to say. I want to show you here, right here, some of the freedoms that have already been taken from us. You know, we've had freedoms taken from us already. The reading of Scripture in public schools. Now, private schools and some of the public schools, maybe Elizabeth School, maybe they can read Scripture. I don't know. But in all schools, that has been prohibited. Prayer taken out of school. Have you noticed in the last, just say, a couple years or so, manger scenes and other religious displays in public places are now prohibited? I think it was, I don't know if it was last year or year before last. Weatherford, right next to us, put up a manger scene at the courthouse. The atheists and the non-believers come and protest in that. Praise God, Weatherford stood and said, we're not removing it. And they didn't. The protesters left. Sometimes you've got to stand up to your protesters. If they can push you, they'll push you. Sometimes we as Christians in Americans, we need to stand for God. We need to stand up for God. I was over there one time and it was a day of prayer. And I met an atheist. You know, but really, i got to say, he was not belligerent. He was not. He was just there. He didn't try to cause any problems, but he did not believe in God. He just had his presence known that he was there. And he was high up in the atheist party or whatever you want to call it. I talked to him. You know, and it was just like, uh, I asked him the question, why do you not believe in God? Why do you not believe that this earth was created, the, the heavens And all the stars and all the planets. How can you not? Have you ever just looked at your child, at that baby, and say, it just happened? No. That baby was a creation of God. I don't know how people can look around all the beautiful and all the things that God has done. Just look at your own self. Who gave you your eyes? Who gave you your ears? Who gave you your nose? Who gave you your mouth? Who gave you your legs to walk, your arms to work? Everything falls into place. God saw all this ahead of time when he created man. He knew what we was going to need. And he'd give it to us. he gave give it to us. Because he knew he was going to need it. You know, our nation, you know, creation. In a lot of the schools, creation has been taken out. They can't teach creation, they can still teach evolution. You're a monkey. I don't know. Not all of you look like monkeys. (laughs) But see, you know, I've always thought, if monkeys, if we revolve from monkeys, as long as it's been going on, how come we're not still revolving? How come the monkeys are still here? They ought to be revolved out by now. Our nation is turning its back on God in several other ways. America is turning away from Christian values. Our nation has allowed filthy speech to come into the media. You know, when I was a kid growing up, you watched TV and this. You never heard a cuss word you never heard a lot of the stuff you're hearing right now. It's just getting more open, more open, more open. We had values. We had morals. It seems like they're leaving us. Our nation has allowed, like I said, the filthy speech. Distribution of X-rated movies... And X-rated videos and magazines. You can almost walk into any store and they've got those magazines right out on the shelf for everybody to see. You know, all throughout the Bible, God made a covenant with his people in Israel. He made a covenant with them. Do you know that covenant also now includes us? the Christian, the believer in Jesus Christ? For Jesus said, for now there is no difference in the Jew and the Gentile. If you believe in Jesus Christ as God's only son, you're under the protection, you're under the blessings of God. The blessings that he gives to the Jewish people will fall on you. when God's people obeyed him and kept the covenant relationship with him, God protected and he blessed them. He watched over them. But when God's people violated their covenant, God punished those people for that violation. Most of it was bondage. They become captives in another country. You know, many of them there for years and years were captive of Babylon. David, Meshach, Abednego, all of them, they were captives. But there come a time, God finally heard their prayers and he released them from that bondage. God is still releasing us from bondage today. If we will serve him, and believe in him and honor him God judges those people that make a covenant with him and then breaks it y'all realize God made a covenant with Abraham God chose Abraham to be the father of his chosen people God promised Abraham to bless him he did God promised Abraham that he would protect him from his enemies. And he did. But this covenant also had conditions. Just like God's promises. God's promises has conditions. God says if you will listen and do what I told you to do, then I will bless you. So we have to do what God's word says in order to receive God's promises. (coughs) If Abraham and the Jews who followed him did not fulfill their part of the covenant, God told them that the curses of that covenant covenant would come upon them. You want to know what those curses are? I didn't write all of them down, but there's quite a few of them. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 28. You see his blessings? It goes from the blessings to the curses. There's just list and list of the curses if these if they break their covenant with God here in Deuteronomy 28:15 listen to what he says but if you will not hearken or if you will not listen unto the voice of the Lord your God and to observe to do all of his commandments what all of his commandments and his statutes, all these curses or judgments shall come upon you and overtake you. Like I said, when you, you see all the blessings that God wants to bless his people with, if they will obey him. Then it goes into, but if you disobey me, you do not listen to me, then these are the curses that will come up on you. There's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them. God judges those who break their covenant with him. He does not break his covenant with you. You break the covenant. America is breaking the covenant of our forefathers made with God right now. Absolute truth, absolute morality are the basis of the declaration of the independence. Truth and and, and morality. You know, I think if, uh, as I was reading, I run across a little thing there, and you know, I I read it. It's in Amos. And I think Amos the prophet would tell America right now. He would tell us what he told the people. In Amos 4.12. Prepare to meet your God. Are you, right now, prepared to meet God if he came back? Are you prepared? What would you say to God? Could you say anything to God? America is going to have to return to God. We must take a stand for God against sin and unbelief in his Son. We must recognize that God has blessed this country. We must repent of sin and rebellion against God. We must pray and ask God to forgive us of our sins. We want God back in this country. Pray Him back. Pray with sincerity. Ask Him to come back. Ask Him to come back into your house, into your family to bless you, watch over you, and keep you. You know, I believe God is telling America today that we must either repent or perish. One of the two, repent or perish. What are you going to do? If there's sin in your life, repent. If you hold on to that sin, God says, For I cannot look upon sin, and sin will send you to hell. i got two scriptures, and I'm through. And all of you know this scripture. You've heard it, and you've heard it. But it's got so much to say. 2 Chronicles 7.14 you ever just really read that and looked at what it's saying? God is telling his people what they must do to return to him, for him to receive them back and for his blessings to come back up on them. God says, if you will do these things, I'll come, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to you. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, who are those people? The Christian. The churches. If they will humble themselves, get out of that Holy Spirit. Get out of that pride. If they'll humble themselves and pray sincerely, not just pray, but sincerely from your heart, And seek my face. Seek an intimate relationship with me. Want to be in my presence. And you want me to be in your presence. And then turn from your wicked ways. We got to make a change. We turn from our wicked ways. Our wicked habits. The wicked things that we do. And then he says, I will hear from heaven. He says, and I'm on my throne, and sitting on my throne, I will hear you from my throne in heaven. I will hear you. When you do these things, I promise you, I will hear you. And I will forgive your sin. And I will heal your land. God wants to come back. He wants you back. God don't want to pass judgment on you. He wants to receive you as his child in heaven. He doesn't want to have to sit there and judge you at the great white throne. He wants you to come to him now while you can. Because once death has come, there is no chance of salvation. That's it. It has to be done now. Then, my last scripture, God has promised us. Listen, God has promised us. In Jeremiah 29, 13, he's made us a promise. You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Are you searching for God with all your heart? Are you truly wanting God to come back into your life, to be in your life, to serve Him? Or you want his God's blessings? That's the only way we're going to get them. It's invite God back into our life and serve Him. We can't walk away from God. We can't get in sin. We can't have other Gods. You say, what do you mean another god? Anything that you put ahead of God is another god. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's an automobile. Who knows? But anything that you put before God is a god. It's an idol. And he says, you shall have no idols before me. When we're not serving God, when we're not being in God's presence, when we're not desiring God, when we're not worshiping God, when we're not asking God to come back into our lives, it's showing God. God, I don't really want you. I like the world. I like what I'm doing now. Many people wouldn't, wouldn't come to God for nothing. And you know who those people are? Those are the ones he's turned over to a reprobate mind. There's no chance for them. Want not God, sincerely won't God, ask him to come back into your life and serve him with all your heart? He says, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. If you're here today, if you need God to come back into your life, if you need God's blessings, if you want God to be back in your life and guide in your life, I'm going to ask you to come up to the altar. I'm going to ask you to ask God. God, I have sinned. I ask for your forgiveness. To come into my life, Lord, restore me. Restore me to where I once was with you. You know, even old David had that fear. He said he was so afraid if he didn't repent, that God would take the Holy Spirit from him. Is God number one in your life? Is He first? Do you love Him? Are you serving Him? Do you, if, if He's out of your life right now, invite Him back. He wants to come back. You have to ask him. He's not going to barge in. He's not going to kick the door open. You're going to have to invite him. Do you need to invite God back? If you do, I'd ask you to come to these altars, kneel, humble yourselves, just like he said. Pray. Humble yourself and pray. And God will hear you. So I'm just going to ask the band if they will to come up. And right after they get through, we're going to do communion. Today is the first Sunday of the month. And on the first Sunday of the month, we always do communion. And I think this is a good time to do communion. Communion is nothing but a memorial to Jesus Christ for what he did for us on that cross, for his love, for everything that he did. We're giving him thanks and believing in him, remembering him, and everything he did when we do communion. So I will ask the band to play. I'm mean, just not going to take long. If, if, if you know you need to come down, come down. Because this, I'm, it, we're going to get on to communion here in just a minute. You know whether you need to come down or not. I'm not going to beg you. God's not going to beg you. It's a freedom, it's a choice.